0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs advance society, and this podcast is totally part of that effort. Uh, Today, we've got our conversation with Chris Zhang. Chris is my partner and CIO of the um, family office. He's got an incredible depth of financial knowledge and market knowledge for those who haven't heard him talk before. Um, He spent too many years as a derivative trader at uh, Morgan Stanley before doing this. Um, It's a general market catch-up, but we cover a bunch of things. Uh, The impact of the debt ceiling. Uh, There is some different signal coming out of the equity market and the bond market. and So there's a bit of a dichotomy. Chris tries to interpret what those signals mean about expectations for the future. Uh, We talk about also what's happening in the crypto world. Right, Um, There's some action against some of the large uh, crypto companies. And we're watching a very long-term journey of crypto finding its way to be integrated into the financial ecosystem. So I think probably good intentions on both sides, but a lot of work and tumultuousness probably to come in that kind of navigation. So uh, anyway, I think it's a good sesh. Uh, If you're interested in the markets, here you go. what's up chris how you doing man what's up mark um well look i this might be your last one for a bit i know you're doing this monthly but uh for everyone listening he's about to have his first child so they, mm-hmm. they're in like eleven forty seven p.m of the day of uh baby gestation i don't know where this metaphor is going anyway yep. uh how are you holding up
1: uh I'm doing okay in general, and uh, just to prop myself up, um, I'm, 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 this is my I'm Mark Peter Davis Day. Um, for those of you who are listening, this is what Mark looks like on a day to day. A little less handsome, but you know, <laughs> otherwise about the same.
0: I'll take the compliment.
1: Um, overall, I'm you're talking. Okay. You're
0: referencing your hoodie. Correct. This the, yeah, the I'm like a I black adjust. T-shirt hoodie. Although I'm trying to up my polo game. <laughs> a lot more polos. Funny.
1: Now, yeah Risa told me I, the exact same thing. I need to do that.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to polo, just kind of like classy, casual. That's the old man mm-hmm. vibe I'm going for now. Cause I can't pull off the the 27 year old punk rocker anymore. It's a, it's
1: out. Yeah, that's right. And you know, baby stuff is good. I, uh, I am as ready as I can be. Um, let's see, let's see. Hope Hopefully I'll be back in no time and, and talk, talk to everybody about markets.
0: There we go. All right. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. So, uh, it's we're now in this new cadence. It's been a month since we've had yeah. you on. Last time you hit China, yep. Um, you gave that overview. It was awesome. Uh, a lot of people listened to that and were pinging me and talking about it. Uh, I want to. What's ha- the big thing that's happened since then is the debt ceiling cycle. We're on the back end of it. Seems yep. like it's sorted for this lap. Did anything, you know, outside of the news thread on the negotiation and bickering mm-hmm. and whatever else? Did anything substantial come out of the new bills?
1: Yeah. we can Listen, we can talk about this for an hour. We, we in fact, had, in a, had an internal chat, as you know, about debt ceiling um, for, for, for quite a long time. And I'm not going to talk about details, but there are a few implications and takeaways from it. Um, n- number one, we have not solved any fundamental issue as a, as a country, meaning the budget. How do we balance the budget? This is simply kicking the can down the road. And in this scenario is about two years, less than two years. This is right after the, the next debt ceiling talk is going to start pretty much when the the new president or the same president takes the office in twenty twenty four um and 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 and, there, and we're going to go at this one more time and and this bill made it even more difficult for the one coming up uh, to pass through uh, there I'm sure everyone's been following the news there's been a lot of, infight, of infighting and cross party fighting, and it's just, it's, it's not a good scenario. Everyone sort of seemed to compromise and no one's happy, right? So we'll see what, happen, what happens with uh, McCarthy and and, and 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 leaders on, on both parties. And uh, chances are the fight is going to be even bigger next time. The the one thing I think people need to pay attention to, and it's probably the least talked about in, 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 in mainstream media is the compromise around social welfare. Just to sort of think about this topic globally, we sort of saw what happened in, in France uh, earlier this year, last year, when they tried to hike the retirement age and decrease social benefits. This has always been, I mean, it makes sense. You know, if you work, people have been working 30, 40 years and, and save up for retirement, and counting on the government for for, for welfare. Uh, and and the government has to take something away because that, that the budget is not balanced. This is a very triggering topic and. And, and um, there's, no, there's no happy medium, uh, someone's going to sacrifice. So any move the government has with regards to social welfare and benefits and retirements is going to be what potentially causes the, the next wave of uh, risk events and protests and, and it's going to be hotly debated and it likely will affect the longer term future of this country regarding immigration um just overall happiness and productivity right so that's something i really do think uh cannot be overlooked and such an essential part of budget and 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 just the well-being of this country
0: any um ripple effect you see from the legislation that you're like okay the next six months it's gonna push the needle left to right
1: uh, with regards to markets or, or in yeah, market policies. Yeah. So look, uh, the uh, stock, the one thing, I, so first of all, let's talk about some two different things because the stock market and the bond market has behaved so differently through all of this and and before and after um, the stock markets, uh, the public stock markets have been behaving extremely well, very calm into the debt ceiling, a little bit of volatility range bound between, you know, I'm talking about S&P 4100 4200. And immediately after debt ceiling, I sort of had this relief rally a little bit, and we're, about, we're up about 5% on the index level over the past month. But that's not really the, the, the only story. What you see behind the scenes and what people maybe care less about, or, or at least monitor less, is the bond market, um, which has been trending the opposite way this whole time. Uh, and there's this clear dichotomy between the two markets. Where the bond market thinks that we're still in this inflationary cycle, the Fed is gonna hike maybe one more time, and we're gonna actually stay put, meaning not no cuts coming in the next year or two. Um, and the Treasuries, and the the one thing we we talked about before was just the Treasury curve, the twos and tens, right? The difference between the two points have been very negative for over a year now, and is still very negative in and out of this debt ceiling talk. Uh, meanwhile, the, the equity, equities just keep rallying, right? Like stock markets just keep being very confident. Both markets, and it's important to know, are supposedly forward-looking, right? The stock price you see today is supposed to reflect what people think, what participant market participants think six months, nine months down the road. Same thing goes to the bond market. So in a way, if you read this, equity participants are saying we're good. You know, we're, we're, we're no more risk events in the near term. Earnings are strong. Tech is leading the rally. We're back to where we were. Okay, no more, no more COVID. The bond market is saying, actually, no, uh, the economy is weakening. People are spending less. Uh, the Fed has to, spending less, but, you know, maybe but at a slower pace than expected. So, you know, if we're still in the inflationary cycle. The Fed has to accommodate and, and, and hike rates. and. And the economy is going to crash, right? So people are saying two different things and one of them has to be right. Um, or maybe both are wrong. Who knows? right? But historically, right? We, the, in times like these, we can only look at history and, and see who has been more right. It's been the bond market that that's mm-hmm. been more right historically. And case in point, the one thing that we can immediately go back to is, okay, let's talk about the most recent cycle. Uh, what happened in, in the sort of the crash of the market in 2022 and COVID. And if you really look at and just put the two graphs on top of each other, S&P versus Treasury 2s and 10s, leading up to the beginning of 2022, there's been this flattening of the curve already, right? We're at, in 2021, we're at 2s and 10s are, the differential is about 1.5%. By the end of the year, we're already at around 80 basis points. So it's a 70 basis point drop, which is, again, this indicator 2s and 10s is sort of a bonds market sentiment gauge, if you will, right? How people think the longer term versus the shorter term will play out and is negative in the bond market. But if you look at stock market leading up to 2022, we're at historical highs. And it's like nothing bad has ever happened. Life is good. And we all know what happened afterwards, so.
0: Right, but we know that stock market's got a lot of emotional decision-making in the buys. Mm-hmm. We yep. know that, it's just the energy of the crowd. The yep. bond market, I would assume, there's a reason why, just to take what you said, that it's usually been more right uh, or more correct. I would imagine that it's because the investors behind that are generally more institutional, right? And so yeah. you've, got, you've got less emotion, and I'm sure there's emotion still, but less emotion, overarching just emotional flow. So yeah. the question is, if the bond market is the signal to look at and mm-hmm. the bond market is thumbs down, Yep. What is it saying? Is it saying the creditworthiness of the U.S. is going to go down? There's going to be more inflation. What is it signaling? What's driving yeah. that shape of the curve?
1: Yeah, what you just said makes sense. Absolutely, it's stock. It's sort of more sentiment driven in stock market, more so compared to bond market. Another layer to that is also macro versus micro, right? So historically, the Fed interest rate doesn't really play a role, or is not supposed to play a role in your company profitability across the entire economy. It will affect certain sectors and this and that. But this cycle has been different because the move is so dramatic, it affects every single sector. So bonds market are more macro, equity markets is, is more micro, but now macro is dominating micro in a way, right? That's, that's why I think in this cycle in particular, I think, I think uh, the bond market has been more right. And, and going back to your, 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 your real, real question, which is what's really, what's, what is this really signaling? If bond market is correct, then we're basically still in an re- inflationary cycle, and the long-term credit credit creditworthiness of the U.S. Treasuries and U.S. bond market and 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 is is going down as you can as evidenced by the rising interest rate in the in, in the longer daily part of the curve. If you look at ten-year Treasury, we're back at the highs, and uh, spe- specifically on the back of this whole debt ceiling talk, the confidence. Of, the, of for the for global market participants, the U.S. economy is still there. Just to be clear, right? We're still doing incredibly well on global stage, but has been decreasing. That confidence level has been decreasing over the past few months, and and certainly in a, in a trend over the past few years, um, going lower. And you can also see that in you know in other pockets of the market too. If you look at currency, if you look at um, um, sort of really just, you know, trade, international trade, and you, you look at the, the rise of other currencies, and, and, and we talk about China in, in particular, but this, the, the importance of U.S. economy on the global stage is still there, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's steadily decreasing. And it's that's raining. really the long-term future that we really care about.
0: This is such an interesting moment in time yeah. because you've got this very clearly... <clears throat> waning US economic power, at least until we, you know, management tries to fix the financial problems that we have. Problem is we have bad management, right? But at the same time, uh, right now, the SEC is kind of going after all of the crypto uh, and blockchain companies. All The big names are kind of getting attacked uh, and going after them. What's interesting about that to me is that I think while the U.S. is the reserve currency globally, mm-hmm. while the dollar is the main store of value around the world, man, uh, yeah, blockchain, crypto, that crypto particularly, not blockchain, is threatening to the control and the levers that the U.S. government has, right? They can impose sanctions and penalties and you know, do stuff if they have reserve currency status. But the interesting thing is while the U.S. is in the process of losing control, if we don't right the ship, if we don't get good management in to run the country, and by the way, I don't think either party is good management, right? Uh, If we don't have someone who's operating fundamentally differently than either party is thinking right now, the U.S. is going to want cryptocurrency, wouldn't you think? Like if... If China's currency becomes the global currency, Mm. right? then you want crypto because what it's doing is it's it's gutting the power of the reserve currency country. So you don't want crypto around strategically Mm. when you are the reserve currency, but when someone else has it, crypto sounds great. So I, I wonder if there's, it's this incongruous, we're not balancing the budget, Mm-hmm. right historical cycles and patterns suggest we're going to lo- lose reserve currency status because our government's not going to get their shit together and at the same time they're trying to kind of undermine the thing that will undermine the other currency when it takes reserve currency status so unravel that yeah uh
1: impossible to unravel that but uh <laughs> let me just say that uh it's still too early to tell, right? This currency war—who's going to be the winner? Um, uh, including crypto. I mean, uh, you know, my view has always been that uh, we're at the early innings of this, and 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 let the market dictate who's going to be the winner. But every government is going to try to step in and and, and you know insert themselves. And but uh, market always wins at the end, hopefully, at least in 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 in, in the West, I should say. But back to your question. Look. Crypto is, uh, or blockchain in general, um, we've all been supporters of this. And SEC coming after, you know, a few companies, as we've heard in the news, their main argument, let's start from there, is not crypto is bad, blockchain is bad. It's the players in those markets could be nefarious and they could, they could definitely um, create harm let's say on the general populace who don't really understand the market. So their argument is we need to make sure that if there are certain certain things like cryptocurrencies that behave like securities and transact like securities and carry the same functions as securities, they need to be registered as securities. And as a result, uh, be monitored by the government, right? That's the really, that's, the, that's their, the core of their main argument, the reason why they're going after you know, these companies. But I totally get it, the other point of view, which is, look, <laughs> the whole point of cryptocurrency is so that it doesn't get regulated and it's distributed and it's you know, controlled by the people. So it's the same, same debate as usual, which is how much do you care about protecting the mom and pops, the little guys, the commoners, the, the us of the world, uh, our interests. The people who don't understand necessarily don't pay t- too much enough attention to the market. Protect our rights, our safety, and privacy, versus making sure this is a completely free, distributed, sort of additive world. Who knows? I don't know. T- I don't, I don't know the two, right answer.
0: Is two parts of this that I'm, I'm hearing you yeah. say. One is the narrative I've been hearing is the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's that the the crypto companies. Want to be officially regulated, yeah. And what they're doing is they're being told. I think they're being told they're out of compliance, but they're not be- being given an option to be in compliance. And they want to be regulated and in compliance. That's my understanding. That might be wrong. Now, may- maybe I, I, that's what they're saying, but they're not acting. I don't know. I'm well, probably well. The
1: part that they cannot be at the mercy of headlines. The, the yeah. part that exactly to your point, the, the part that they cannot really be in compliance is this. Registration of securities. Right. Imagine Bitcoin has to be registered as a stock, right? <laughs> like and that's impossible. That defeats that defeats the whole point of Bitcoin. So how do, what do you do? Um I don't know the answer to that. Uh that yeah. has yeah, they need to sort out. Yeah, it's gonna be complicated.
0: Um the second piece, which I think is more of a macro policy that's that kind of trends beyond crypto is the government has generally said as a philosophy mm. if something is complicated we're not going to let people with less wealth buy it and i think they're using wealth as a proxy for intelligence yep and sophistication which doesn't hold agree uh and i think it serves to promote asymmetric opportunities Right. There's a yep. look, we're in venture capital, right? Um, yep. Venture capital, when you get with the right firms, is a wonderful, high performing asset class. But accredited investor laws and a bunch of these laws don't allow people with normal incomes to buy yep. into these assets. And that doesn't feel great to me because I know what we're capable of yielding and the kind of money we make people. And I would love for other organizations, other people to be able to participate in that, not, yep. not just limited to the wealthier institutions. Now, the one good thing is the institutions are usually representing the rest of the population. If there's a retirement fund and we're managing their money and we make the money while well, we're creating wealth for everyone, all the retirees coming out of that system. Hmm. So that's the good thing. That's where it's working. But I wish there was I don't have all the answers, of course just got a lot of questions and some bad opinions but um i wish there was a more egalitarian more flat way to give access to these investment opportunities
1: agreed i i I, we i couldn't agree more there i'm registered with the sec i know the law i know the rules i know i know what the their their main goal is trying to protect but to me, at the same time, the reality is that, that the economic, the number one contributor to economic inequality is access. Um, and to your point, credit investors, qualified purchasers, these are all defined by your net worth, your, your, your existing investments in the space. And, and it doesn't make much sense. And basically, it comes down to the richer you are, the better access you have. Well, how does that make sense? So
0: Right. What if you're a PhD totally student? studying rocket science or econ- economics yep. and you have no money, you, you're not yep. allowed to buy into funds that you could probably understand better than I could by 10, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't, it, doesn't make sense. sense. Now, maybe that's an edge case I'm coming <laughs> up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can get ripped off in if, in any of these things, you know, this is, this is the problem, right? Like I call this the butter knife problem, you know, it's a butter knife. Uh, it can cut butter, it can kill you. Right? It depends on how it's used. It's a tool. You yeah. know, fire is the same thing, cooks your food or kills you, burns your house down. These securities, uh, you know, the public securities are regulated, but there is bad behavior within those companies. There's, a, there's information asymmetry for sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and alternative assets are the same. You know, there are bad actors. There are, most of the people are not. And so it's this butter knife issue of, you know, we're telling everyone they can't cut their butter, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, distressing. People like butter. Yeah, it's a good analogy. What else we got? That's it, man. Just a good little sesh, good catch up. Uh, Good luck with uh, baby sitch. I'm guessing we're going to catch you on the other side of that. And a quick reminder for everybody, Chris is an SEC registered RIA, so nothing he said should be construed as investment advice thanks mark talk to you soon all right always awesome to have chris on thanks everyone for listening uh we are coming up on our summer break hasn't happened yet but we've got a couple more episodes coming up uh and then will will tell me when it's time for me to tell everyone that we're on pause uh but we'll be back next week with more content uh if you have any questions or there's anything we can ever help with You can get me on Twitter at MPD. Hope everyone's well. Good weekend.